You are listening to Jai Long and this is Make Your Break, episode 102. Hey, today I have the biggest name in wedding photography here joining me, Jose Villa, all the way from the US. If you've ever wondered who shot Justin Bieber's wedding, (laughs) I know I have actually wondered that and uh, this is the man, Jose Villa. Here he is. He is such a big presence in the industry. I remember when I first started out that there were people that would try and replicate his exact look and the style that he would bring to the table and and the work that he would make. And it's so iconic. He's created a whole movement. And in fact, he's even inflated cameras because people want to have the same camera as he has. So this is a big deal that Jose Villa is finally here on my podcast. It's been on my bucket list, one of my unrealistic goals to get this man here talking with us today. So I'm really excited. And we talk about all the uncomfortable things And we also talk about booking high-end clients because that's what we're going to be talking about at the Wedding Photography Summit. So if you didn't know, Jose Villa is actually one of the big speakers at the Wedding Photography Summit. So if you've got your ticket already, congratulations. Being invested in you means you've got to invest in you and congratulations on doing that, right? But if you haven't yet, make sure you go over to weddingphotographysummit.com and then screenshot when you buy your ticket. Tag me on Instagram at jialong.co and I can reshare it and I can personally send you a DM and congratulate you as well. So I don't think there's anything else to say except, man, we're going to see a lot of people this week because the Wedding Photography Summit is happening this week. So it's going to be so full on, so many new friends, so many new faces. I don't even know what's going to happen this week. I'm so nervous already. There's just so much work, so much everything going into this one point. And um, yeah, let's touch wood that everything goes right and it's going to be really fun. And if it's not, you get to be there and get to see me fail in front of everybody. So make sure you get a ticket so you can see that. (laughs) Anyway, Jose Villa, let's get into it. Hey, so I'm here with Jose Villa at the moment and um, I've been admiring his work for years since I started wedding photography and uh, I actually got to meet him um, I think back probably in 2015 in California when I went over there to talk at um, Photo Field Trip. It was just brief but um, it's so good because I love shooting film and so I've admired Jose for so long because of all his film work and the incredible things that he gets to do and I'd say he's probably in my eyes, one of the most accomplished wedding photographers in the world. So I'm so humbled and so thankful that he's here to talk to us today and bring some insights. So, hey, Jose, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing good. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so good to have you on here. I'm also really excited that you're talking at the Wedding Photography Summit coming up. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm super excited about that. I've been hearing about about it here for the last year or two. Yeah, it's exciting. It's going to be so much fun. Um, we think it's going to be the biggest workshop in the world. And um, yeah, having people like yourself bring in so much knowledge to the newer people, like people that are just starting out and stuff. I think it's so important for them to just to get inspired and to listen to all the stories and how, I guess, like how you have navigated through the industry for as long as you have as well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm an open book. I love to share. 
Uh, I host my own workshops as well, but I love to just be out there and, and make sure that, uh, you know, if I can, if I can give some piece of advice to somebody and they can take it and make a little bit of money or save some time, that's what's really important to me. Yeah. So let's dive straight in. I want to get my listeners to know you a little bit more before the summit. So I actually want to dive in into more of the real stuff and just ask you, like, how did you make your break when you first started out in the wedding photography industry? And why was the wedding industry right for you? Yeah, well, you know, I've been photographing for, oh my goodness, about 18 or so years. And from the very beginning, when I first started to get into wedding or into photography, I should say, I've always really liked the idea of photographing weddings. And, you know, back then, it wasn't really such a fun thing to do. But, you know, I I started my thing. I started just sort of assisting people. I started working with other folks too during commercial work in San Francisco, fashion work and all that. And I realized that, you know, coming from a small town, I didn't want to be in a big city. And I wanted to be my own boss. I didn't want anybody to be telling me what to do. So (laughs) um, because I had (laughs) grand ideas of how I wanted to photograph. And I decided to come back here to this small little town called Solving, which is where I grew up in California. And I just did little portraits, you know, here with little portraits with families, with children, things like that. And uh, but my ultimate goal was to photograph weddings. I finally got that inquiry to do a wedding. And I was kind of scared, but excited at the same time. And I did it. I shot it all on film. You know, I'm mostly a film photographer. I've recently picked up a digital camera over the last, you know, year, actually two years or so. But, you know, starting with uh, photographing with weddings, it made me really nervous to really to know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I I was just sort of telling people to walk over there. And and then I would gather my thoughts and figure out how to, you know, how to photograph. (laughs) I started with a really, really quiet and that client just started to refer me and it just sort of started like a lot of the companies, a lot of the photographers out there that are listening. But one of my biggest breaks, I think, was when I got a chance to photograph Martha Stewart, her niece's wedding. Wow. If people know who Martha Stewart is, she's an incredible designer and of course has had her magazines and it's just a huge empire. But one of my favorite magazines was Martha Stewart Weddings. And so they called me to photograph her niece's wedding in Las Vegas, believe it or not. And I thought, oh, in Las Vegas, like, that's interesting. How are we going to make a Martha Stewart wedding look beautiful in Las Vegas? Well, of course, Mm. leave it to Martha Stewart and make it look beautiful. So, yeah, so I I photographed that wedding. I was teamed up with her designers and and with her stylists. And I got a chance to um, work right beside them and I learned a lot about styling. I learned a lot about just little tricks about photographing with invitations and all the details and, and what type of even lighting they like. So that was really great. And so then the images came out in the magazine. Um, I had, I think, maybe like a six-page spread. And from that, I started to get inquiries for those types of weddings. And then the magazine would call me again and they'd say, hey, we have another wedding for you, but this time it's bigger and we have a bigger budget. And so then the magazine was actually hiring me to photograph these particular weddings. So um, they became my client. And then my name was attached to all of these beautiful weddings um, and even covers of the magazine. So that was a really beautiful break. And, you know, I can tell you uh, 20 different breaks, but I think that was one of my first breaks that kind of got me to that next level. Can we like back up a little bit? Because I know there's a lot of listeners going like, well, I don't think Martha Stewart's going to be reaching out to me to shoot anytime soon. Like, Obviously, it wasn't luck. Like, let's be honest. Like, you obviously were putting in the work and they took notice of what you were doing. Like, 
Tell me about the process like leading up to that because obviously if you're just starting out like that would have been the most nerve-wracking thing you could possibly do, be surrounded by Martha Stewart stylists and possibly even other photographers and things like that. So yeah, tell me how you got up to that point of when Martha Stewart would actually reach out to you. <laughs> yeah, so that's a really good question. So that was probably, I would say, maybe or seven or eight years into my, into my business. So definitely I can talk about how that happened, but it's not going to happen overnight. You know, I, I like that uh, you're bringing that back a little bit because that is the reality. Also, the reality is, is that I really was sort of just working 24-7, photographing as many weddings, editing as many weddings as possible, getting them out and published as much as possible um, to be seen by whomever would be interested. And yeah. because of that, and because I was submitting my weddings, and you know, this is the, the market or the industry is so different today, but um, you know, I would submit my, my weddings to all these magazines and, you know, I would get a lot of no's, no, 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 not good enough, not good enough. But a few that I did uh, that were accepted were accepted by magazines like Martha Stewart and, you know, Brides Magazine and all these other magazines here in the U.S. and some international as well. But I never gave up. I'm always just continuing to submit my images. And finally, I realized that, so, well, I was hoping, I should say, that someone would notice someone that would help me get to that next level. And that's how they noticed was because my I had so much of my work out there that finally someone was like, okay, who is this guy? Like, let's call him up. <laughs> it's amazing because like we can hear stories, like your first story that you tell and it's like, oh, good. Okay, well, Jose just, you know, made his break and someone got in touch with him. But what we don't realize is how relentless you are with showing up even if someone says no and then resubmitting and resubmitting and then a year later resubmitting and resubmitting and like I think so many people want instant gratification, instant success because we believe people have that but I've never met anyone that's just made their break and like you know they've actually just gone to the top magazine, to the top publication, shot the, the top wedding or anything like that. So Talk us through like, you know, obviously when you're first starting out, like there is so many no's, there's so many rejections. And I think so many people get disheartened. A lot of people that I mentor, they say, I've submitted to five magazines. They've all said, no, I've given up. I don't do, I don't submit anymore. And, and that's the end of it. Like, do you feel like there's been times when you've gone like, look, I'm trying to get noticed, but I'm showing up and it's the next year and I, and I'm continue to show up. And do you think your relentlessness of not giving up is one of the big factors of your success? Oh, absolutely. And you know, the beautiful thing about social media today is that you have that control now. You know, you have the control where I feel like I didn't have that control as much back then. And I sound like I'm 100 years old, but that's the reality. <laughs> that's just <laughs> I've been years doing ago. For so I know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you have the control. And I, I always say that your Instagram or even your Facebook, but I would say Instagram more is your portfolio. So whether you're photographing and showing personal work, which I think is super important as well, or you're showing your um, professional wedding work or your portrait work or whatever it is that you're wanting to do, only show what you want in return. And, you know, I've, I've realized that, you know, and if you need to go back onto your Instagram from years ago, two years, three years and delete images that really aren't your brand today, delete them, get rid of them. You don't need them. You know, and so I've done that numerous times. I'll stop myself and say, you know, I need to go back and delete some images that aren't really my brand anymore, you know? So it, yes, it does take some time. And I think there's so many younger photographers or young photographers in this industry that wants um, instant gratification. 
And the reality is, is that, and you said this earlier, I mean, it's really rare to find anybody that actually has that instant success. It does take some time. Give yourself some time. And I'll tell you this, as a photographer, it was a goal for me to, to have people look at my images and identify my images as they were mine. You know, so like there wouldn't, there wouldn't need to be any logo at the bottom of the, of the photos. And that was such that. a huge thing for me. So I needed to make sure to perfect that. So that when people saw my images, they knew it was a Josevia photo immediately based on maybe the color, the lighting, the composition, etc. So try to get to a point where you have people identifying your work just by looking at it and not by reading who the photo is from. I actually really want to ask you about this, actually, because like, for instance, like ever since I've found your work, I've always been able to recognize your work. But listening to you actually say that you had intention and then like I've always seen you in the magazines in Martha Stewart and stuff like that. But listening to you now saying this, it was a goal. You had intention. It wasn't an accident. And I think so many of us, we think like, oh, that person's lucky because they got a style that, you know, other people don't have or whatever it is. But actually like you having that intention and then actually it's the reason why people recognize your work and people recognize your work in those publications. So I think that's just so interesting to actually hear like the goals that you have, which are unrealistic goals, absolutely unrealistic for any wedding photographer to, to want to stand out and to be published in those big magazines, but you've actually done it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's part of branding, right? I mean, that's what most, that's what companies do. And I started to sort of realize like, why are so these certain companies not in the wedding industry, but why are they so identifiable or why are they so branded so beautifully? And a lot of it, of course, had to do with number one, consistency. And being able to establish a specific brand, a specific look that you can constantly do, that you can create. Now, sometimes we get stuck in a little rut and you do the thing over and over and over again. But reinvent yourself by you know, using different equipment or whatever it is, to, but, but continue to, to have that particular brand, that particular look so that, you know, that that is the longevity. Because I think, like for me as a photographer, I came into this industry knowing that I wanted to do this like for forever, like for my life, not just for five years, not just for seven years. Like this was it. There was no other options. I went to photography school, you know, for three years, I got my bachelor's, all of that. And, uh, and, and I think what makes a big difference in a successful photographer is one that has the longevity. You know, I've been doing this for 18 years. I can probably name only two or three other photographers, wedding photographers that are successful that have been doing this longer than I have. And, uh, and it's pretty amazing to see, you know, how long some of these people last. Yeah. I mean, not many people, I mean, I've been doing this for eight years, which is not that long, but I'm the same. Like I don't actually know many people. I've got like maybe two friends that I'm like, Oh, like we, you know, sort of started out and we're still doing it together where everybody else has sort of come and they've gone. Um, I've actually got two questions for you here. One is like, so when I first started out doing photography, my wedding photography in Melbourne, the style that I was doing, which in Melbourne was like a little bit more darker, moodier, it just wasn't on trends. Like it was so far from the trend, right? And then I pushed so hard to not change the, how I wanted to shoot, even though it wasn't part of the trend. So I booked a lot less weddings than everybody else that was doing more of the colorful, bright stuff. And so I want to ask you, like, trends come and go and things change all the time. So my style is still the same in 2013. If you look at a wedding, it's pretty much, it's pretty much the same thing. I pretty much use my same preset, like everything. 
But how do you go like sometimes like seeing a trend and thinking maybe I should like adapt and pivot towards that trend or just knowing like in your heart, like, okay, this is the work that I want to create regardless if it's the most popular thing. And even if it feels like not the right thing, like you're going to keep going through and creating the work that you do. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Now, you know, I mentioned that I'm mostly a film photographer and I've been in this industry long enough to see so many trends. I was in this when, you know, digital wasn't really a thing and then digital became a thing. And every friend of mine who was a wedding photographer, or portrait photographer, with the exception of one that was shooting film, ran over to digital and started photographing digitally because that was the new thing to do. You know, back in the year 2000, <laughs> 1999, you know, <laughs> and, and that's not, that wasn't me. Actually, I, I felt like I, to be honest, I didn't know digital. I didn't want to know digital. I don't like change. What I did is I perfected a specific look within film and I decided to run with film knowing that it was the way that I was supposed to be doing things. And luckily, I stuck with film because then it became sort of a trend again. You know, once digital was in and then, then film <laughs> you know, came back and I'm the contact 645 and the medium format and the whole thing. You know, and so I, I continued to stay with it because to me, it wasn't broken. It wasn't broke. So why fix it? Why am I going to do something that is going to be completely different or make my images look a little different than, than I envisioned them or how I've already created my brand? So I didn't want to make that change because I just didn't want to. And I felt like I didn't need to. Did it ever feel like you were like fighting something there? Was there ever a time you were like, man, this is okay. It's hard to keep on my guns, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep pushing. Oh, yeah. There was moments where I literally was like, what am I doing? Why I was I was second guessing myself. Why am I spending so much money on film? Why am I, you know, doing something that's old school? You know, all the new young brides want digital, like there were so many things that I just and that, that came to mind that I was just always second guessing myself. But the beauty is, is that I started to find this niche. And I started to get these clients that were, you know, art directors or actors or people that really know and understand art, other photographers, painters, things like that. And so because of that, I established a market and I continued to stay with it. And luckily, you know, it, it actually gave me an edge as I was sort of, um, sort of branded to be that film wedding guy. And, uh, you know, I even have a book out on it and everything. And so it was probably one of the best moves I've, I've made in my business is to continue to stay true to who I really was and to not be distracted by the noise of digital, which was the new trend back in that day, which I easily could have made that transition, but I decided I just didn't want to do that. I want to ask you one more thing. I don't know if you know how much of an impact on the wedding photography community you've had over the years, for years and years and years, but um, when I first started wedding photography, I went to a really cool workshop with some people that I really looked up to. It was like Jonas Peterson and, and a bunch of people. And in that workshop, people talked about you at that workshop and they were talking about like, oh, you need to get a contact 645. It's the Jose Villa look like, and you got to shoot Fuji 400 and this is how you do it. And everyone was talking about it, right? And this is when I first started. So I didn't know who you were, but I knew that it was like, oh, that, okay, someone uses that camera. And then everyone talks about, oh, the camera's really expensive now because Jose Villa made it popular. And then so he's pushed up the prices of the camera. I want to ask you, like, because I believe, like, you are a thought leader, um, being able to push through this kind of stuff. And what is it like feeling like being a thought leader or like creating a trend around your work? How do you feel like people copying you, or do you feel amazed 
but how many people have like taken on your style or how many people identify and love your style? Yeah. Do you ever feel like people copy you or do you love that it's that your style is out to the world? Yeah. You know, I used to be bothered by it because I, it's just things in my head, but early on I thought I was like the only person that did this particular shot and then people would copy it. Come to find out, there was already a thousand other photos of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, so the reality is, is that, you know, you can't be bothered by that. And I can tell you as an artist, it's just naturally a thing, a human instinct to feel, you know, like someone's copying you and, and that that's not the right thing to do. But, you know, I see it in a different way. Now that I've done this for so long, I love to share that's also why I have workshops. I am formally trained. And so I, for three years when I was in school, we shared work with each other. We had partnered, we, we partnered up and did assignments together. And, you know, we would even emulate famous photographers in our, in our classes at school. And uh, I remember there was one photo of Richard Abaddon of this young boy who might have been 12 years old working in the coal mines. And he photographed it on an 8x10, uh, Richard Abaddon. And it was in a book. And I copied slash emulated that photo to the T. That was that was what our assignment was, was literally to copy another famous photographer. And so, of course, I did. And I felt like I copied it to the T. And it was amazing, you know. But I think I took offense before. But now I see it as a group effort. I mean, I think it's, of course, flattering. It's, it's great. But I want people to... If people didn't copy me or, let's say, copy, I don't know that I'm shooting a context 35 or whatever. I didn't create it. But if more people do that, the more there is that's out there, the more that, that's what I love about like, you know, the film trend is that, and why I pushed film so much. It's allowed for the industry to accept uh, film again, you know, when film was not accepted because it wasn't good enough anymore when digital became a thing, you know? So I feel like um, I embrace it and I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing to, you know, just... But I do. I will say, build onto that. Don't just copy exactly, but build onto it. Make it better. I mean, that's what we do as artists. We just. I can't sit here and say I've never copied a photographer. I've copied Richard Avedon because it was in school. Granted, yes, but we just do that as humans. I think, and it's inspiring, you know, to to see other photographers creating beautiful work that you want to be creating as well. But I will say add to that and make that your own, whatever that may be, your lighting but or your pose or your whatever that is. I always love seeing the evolution of your own work or of your own anything. Like, So this is a little bit different, but in business, because I'm a business coach, or when my students come and learn from me, they're like, oh, so I'm trying to do this thing to keep it the same as Jai. And I'm like, it's not there to keep the same as me. It's there to do better than me, like build on what I've done and take it even further. And I think I'm I'm always so proud when I see my work, but then it's evolved into the next step because it's got more minds on it and a new twist. And it's something better than what I could ever originally think of. So I love seeing that kind of stuff. I totally agree. And also, I think as an artist, my, it actually pushes me, you know, so mm. that I don't feel like I'm in this rut of the same thing. It, it allows me to go, oh, wow, like they created this and made it better. Okay, great. Like, it, because there's so much noise on social media and we get influenced by so many things you know, it pushes me and it pushes my limits to continue to be competitive within the younger now generation of photographers who, whom are incredibly talented um, because of the type of, an, of equipment uh, and that, was, that is readily available that is so advanced today than, for example, when I started. 
Yes, I love that. So I want to um, sort of pivot the conversation a little bit and get on to this next thing that I know is could be a little bit closer to your heart. But I want to talk about how you are in a same-sex relationship right now and in the wedding industry. Because in your career, in your lifetime, like you know, you're talking about in the year 2000 and things like that. Now we're in like 2021 in the US, legalized same-sex weddings. Things have changed so much. It's progressed so much. And so you've seen so much. I'd love to know, especially early on when you were first starting in this industry, like, was there any hard moments? Is there been any kind of like resistance or, or things that have kind of like really challenged your beliefs being in an industry which wasn't always so forward or sometimes could feel like, yeah, a challenge for you to be in? Yeah. I mean, I think it was always really hard for me. You know, I wasn't one that was very out. You know, I I grew up in a a very Catholic, traditional Mexican background. So, you know, it was something that really was looked or frowned upon. And so as I started photographing weddings, and I I was literally photographing all straight weddings, of course, at that time, it was a thing that like I was wanting to create what felt right for me and how I wanted to be photographed in my relationship. I've been with Joel for 17 years. So I've been with him pretty much my whole career. And it's, it's beautiful though, how things have changed. I mean, wow. Right. I know. I mean, it was, it's definitely like one of those things where I didn't want people to know, I'll be honest with you. Like at the beginning, I didn't want people to know, especially me going into a Catholic church or, you know, being at very religious ceremonies. I, I just, and it was just all in my head. Like I was just afraid of my own shadow, but come mm-hmm. to find out, like once I was more myself, people embraced me a lot more and loved me a lot more. You know, people, it's funny now people seek me out because I am in a same sex marriage, you know, or, or now they want that. And it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I I just think it's always best to just be honest Mm. with yourself. I mean, that's really the main thing, you know? I think it is really hard. I think this is a good lesson for everybody because there's always, we tend to hide ourselves and we tend to hide the things that make us unique, which really we should be leaning into. And it could be, could be anything, could be a feature or it could be, you know, how you look. It could be your beliefs. It could be whatever it is. And I think we don't lean into it enough because we're trying to fit in all the time. And I always think like the second that you don't try and fit in is the second your business will blow up because then your people will get you inside jokes. Like your people will understand. They want you at their thing because they feel like you understand them and, and things like that. And yeah, I think too many people are trying to fit in and not enough people are being themselves. Plus, how easy is it being yourself compared to not being yourself? I want to tell you a quick story. Like this is a little bit different, but when I started out as a wedding photographer, I was working in um, a coal mine and I didn't want all my tradie friends and like there was all these big burly guys that just got out of prison and you know I was working alongside all these like very manly guys and I remember I was like, oh, I want to be a full-time wedding photographer and I didn't want to tell anyone that I was doing photography. So I, I had, I like put a name up, so it was called Free the Bird and I made sure no one knew my name because I felt embarrassed. Like I just felt embarrassed like that I was talking about art with these guys. And um, the funny thing was, it was all in my head. And the second that I told everyone, man, like things changed. Like people came up to me, they started following me on Instagram and like, you know, these big guys would come up and go like, Jai, look, this is so beautiful. Like I love how the bride's crying and stuff. Like you really captured that. And I'm like, really? Like, and I think it just like opened up my world. And now I still shoot friends and family from like all those people that I used to work with 10 years ago. And I think it's um now that I'm myself and I don't hide anything, people resonate with me and, and my tribe is, really has found me. 
Yeah. So I think it's cool. I mean, I think, yeah, absolutely. That's a really good story. I mean, I think that we all have, you know, some sort of, some sort of thing that bothers us or we're embarrassed about or insecurities and things like that. You know, as, as an artist, I feel like there's so much of that, you know, I don't, I feel like, um, you know, I've, I've seen so many photographers and these workshops and I think what, what so many people lack is confidence um, in who we are as artists and being confident with the images that we put out there, you know, and, and being, and some people being afraid that they're going to be critiqued in a, in a bad way, you know, and that it's not good enough. And uh, the reality is, is that you should just be, you know, and I know it's hard, but it practice just getting things out there that maybe make you uncomfortable or that make other people uncomfortable. And, you know, you'll start to find that brand. You'll start to find those things that really resonate with you. And you'll start to find your clan, like you said. I mean, that's just the way that it is. But I think one of the hardest things that I've learned really is the confidence. So I know so many people, even second shooters that help me. I have a bunch of them that help me there. And I and myself. I mean, sometimes I, I'm not confident in my work or even in my actions myself sometimes. You know, like you said, you know, how you dress, whatever, at an event. I mean, we're shooting these events where we have to be dressed very nicely. And it's hard when you're working in 105 degree weather with three cameras on you, <laughs> you know, and still you have to Absolutely. perform, you know, so it's, it, it's, it's, and we're all visual. Everything is so visual, you know, so it's hard. But one thing I would say is, is try to get yourself out of Get yourself out of your own head and also don't be too afraid of your own shadow. And I've learned that myself. Um, there's two other questions I want to ask you around this stuff as well. Like one is, um, so Australia legalized same-sex weddings only a couple of years ago and they kind of followed suit from America. And I think there was so much pressure that everyone was like, finally, this is going to go through. And I remember I was shooting this wedding. And just to be clear, like, because I'm a newer photographer, I've been shooting for eight years. Like I was shooting same-sex weddings when they were illegal. And so we'd had all these like illegal weddings and I used to love like being a part of these weddings, right? And I was shooting this wedding the week, like coming up to the voting time, like the weekend before, and I was in a Catholic church and the priest came out and he's like, okay, so I don't want to preach my agenda or anything. I'm just going to say a few words. And he stood there for one hour during this ceremony talking about how same sex wedding is not right to everyone. And I was standing there going, why isn't anyone walking out of this church right now? Like this is actually killing me. And I was thinking about how uncomfortable like I was being in that church. And I felt like, I think at that part of my career, I felt like I was like, why am I in this industry? Like this is, this is killing me, right? This is not where I should be. But I was just thinking like, this is coming from me and I'm a straight guy. And I was like, have you ever had a time where you're just like, I'm, I shouldn't be here. Like, I don't agree with what's happening right now, you know, in this church or in this environment or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, honestly, because of my preference of sex, no, not really. I think what I have recently with this political climate here in the US, I've had, you know, very uncomfortable Converse, not conversations myself because I'm not conversing myself, but I at weddings hear conversations about the political climate, especially when the previous president was in, in office. Um, and that made me feel really <laughs> uncomfortable. You know, it made me feel really uncomfortable because of just sort of all of the weird negativity that came with all of that. And people that were my clients were so for that particular president, you know, that really bothered me. And I would have to walk away. Um, and sort of let people to do their talking. And then when they were done, I would come back to the scene. But m not, not because of me being gay, but more just the political climate here in the U.S. It's better now. 
That's so good. Do you ever, like, I see so much language going around, like in the Facebook groups, and this has been for years, but everyone always just talks about brides and only brides. You get on people's websites, like, I'm trying to attract brides, 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 brides. I think I'm just like the type of person, because I was like a trader, I hang out with so many guys. I'm always like, man, put as much attention into the dudes and girls, but also, like, there's not always a bride at a wedding, right? And so, like, do you see a lot of language where, where you're starting to see things are changing a little bit or is there any kind of language or things that the industry uses that you know is like time to change? You know, I think people are definitely saying more kind of like words like cu- the couple versus just the bride. And, you know, I'm guilty of that myself because honestly, I love photographing the bride. I, it's all about the bride. It's you know, and we forget that obviously, you know, there's these same sex marriages with two men, um, if it's obviously not two women, you know, so, you know, we do, we do forget that. Now, I don't have a lot of same sex weddings. I may do literally, I probably over my last uh, years of, of doing this, gosh, I've maybe only had four same sex weddings, maybe, maybe three were male and then one was female, maybe. I, I don't remember actually. It, I don't have many of them. So I get, stuck in my rut myself in my business talking about, you know, what the bride wants, because it's always what the bride wants. And you know what, traditionally, <laughs> um, here in the US, uh, traditionally here in the US, the parents of the bride pay for the wedding. And so I think as a vendor, as someone who has a business that has to run the business to make money to survive, um, I'm always thinking, well, where's, where's the money? Well, the money is with the bride. <laughs> and so, um... <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> hey, um, I know you just recently become a father. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's a, that's a big journey in itself, like running a business and having family life as well. Yeah, it really is. You know, I'm, I'm now 40 years old and I'm like, we need to have a baby now. And luckily with, I mean, I guess the only positive thing for us with COVID is that we were able to have the time to put the baby thing in front of, in front of us. And we, um, we decided to adopt. So we adopted, he was born uh, December 26th and we were matched with the mom seven months prior, the birth mom. And so um, it was definitely a challenge, but now that he's four months and now that work is picking back up, I'm now literally just starting to figure out how to handle and how to do all this. Luckily, I live close to my family. Uh, I have two brothers and two sisters, and so they're all here and they help out. And you know, we have such an amazing supportive group of people around us. So that's how come we're able to actually make this happen. It's hard because you know, Joel, my husband, he's also a wedding photographer, and he has his own business and mm. he has his own thing going on. And so, you know, we could both be traveling at a destination wedding when things get back to normal here, and we both will be gone for four days, you know, and so individually in different parts of the world. And so it's it's been a little bit of a challenge, but luckily we've we've had the four months of COVID time to figure out, you know, his first four months of, of his life to figure it out a little bit. So I think we're, we're getting the hang of it. That's so good. It's so good. You got a support network because I'm not a father myself, but like I've got a lot of friends and, um, I just see it. I'm like, man, I don't know how I'd run and do all the things that I do. And then also be a dad and like put in all that time as well. So there's obviously like things that you'd have to change in your, in your time and places that you go. And, and like you said, like, I mean, maybe you don't want to be traveling to New York City all the time to be shooting weddings or, you know, maybe you want to be doing more local stuff so you can come and sleep in your own bed and things like that as well. 
Yeah, I mean, your priorities change, you know, it's like, and, and I'm very new to this, but and I know there's a lot of uh, people listening that are parents. And uh, it's a lot, it's a full time job, you know, so luckily, again, we have the we have the means to be able to hire someone, um, and also have to help us. And then also, uh, the family is really important. That's awesome. Hey, so um, just to sort of finish everything off, like on the Wedding Photography Summit, we're going to have a bit of a chat and I actually will want to be asking you about like um, attracting your right clients, right? And attracting more high-end clients. So I know that you've shot weddings. I know you shot Justin Bieber's wedding. I know that, <laughs> I know that you've shot like so many incredible weddings. Have you got a wedding that stands out the most to you? And also, I want to know about Justin Bieber. Like, how was that wedding? <laughs> I want the goss. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. You know, it was a challenge. Let me put it that way. Because when you, and I'll say this, like, you know, Justin Bieber was the latest, I guess, celebrity wedding we've done. But we also have done like Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra and a bunch of others. So that helped kind of get to this place. Those those weddings, those intense weddings helped to get us to a place where we sort of know and understand that the sort of vibe and the, the the flow of these types of weddings you know they're like nothing you've ever photographed before i mean these people are uh how do i put it they're you know they've been in the camera for so many years and they have the particular look they they stand up on a particular side they in some cases don't like to be in front of the camera believe it or not you know so you know as a wedding photographer they expect that you're just going to be a fly on the wall which is fine i like doing that and i know most photographers do but the problem with that is that the world or the publications um, are wanting to see their face and they want eye contact with the, with the lens. And so, um, you know, with Justin, <laughs> I was trying to get him uh, to, to stand in front of my camera and he would not stand in front of my camera for a photo. Finally, the bride, Haley, convinced him. And that's how I was able to get that photo of him on the steps. But, you know, I took maybe three photos, maybe four photos. I have to look, but I think it's four photos. And that was the only one that was probably in focus. And then he just walked away. <laughs> and I thought, okay, <laughs> there he goes. But, you know, and it was, you cannot control these types of weddings. You have to just let it go. Um, no one's going to listen to you as a wedding photographer uh, in these particular cases. And, you know, the attention span is very, very, very small. Um, so you have to work extremely fast and you cannot freak out. Now, Justin had... You know, very, very small attention span. And also, you know, I think, you know, he and I could tell that he was very anxious and that he really could not stand still, like literally just everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And it was really hard to photograph. But in the end, we got what we needed and, and everyone was happy and it was fine. And, you know, the photographer, sorry, the, the client had their own photographer. Uh, as well, they had a fashion photographer uh, there following Haley. Around. I thought so, so, yeah. Yeah, so it was, you know, it was, it was two of us. Yeah, I was more of the wedding photographer and he was more the fashion photographer for the bride. So we were able to work together and it was a, a good partnership. I didn't know him prior. His name was Corey Tennell, a uh, really nice guy out of New York. But yeah, it was a really challenging wedding. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I can't wait to dive into more of that and how we can like build up and find our 
our the dream clients that we imagine. Imagine one day shooting Justin Bieber's wedding. Imagine one day, you know, doing these things. And I think especially as we start out, like sometimes we have limiting beliefs of what's possible. And then sometimes we see people like yourself and go like, well, stuff is possible. This is incredible. So I can't wait to talk about all of that during the summit. And um, I don't know if you've got any uh, final thoughts you want to leave us with. Sure. Yeah, there's so much we can go into too. I mean, I think that, you know, there's there's so much logistics that go, if people are interested, the logistics that go into these types of weddings, not just with the publications, and but there's a lot of money at stake as well. And, and I know people don't like to talk about money, but, you know, some of these weddings, um, the images are, are, are published for a certain amount of money. And like, how, how is that, you know, working with your contract and, and the back end of things? I mean, there's a lot that go into these types of weddings. That's why... I don't know that I could do more than one or two weddings of these types a year because of how involved it is with lawyers and like all the stuff that nobody wants to talk about. That's the part that really drains you. And the fun part is potentially shooting it, but it's stressful. You know, the pressure is on. I mean, Nick Jonas's image, the first image of them two together was worth $2 million dollars. You know, and though that image was going to be my image. And so it's it's crazy. No freaking pressure, you know. So how do I prepare for something like that? <laughs> but wow. we can get into that. And I think that that's really important for me. That's a little bit more just a, than just like an Instagram photo, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, there's so much that goes into it. And I'm very open. <laughs> Uh, I can talk about these. I mean, I, now that the weddings are are done, there's a couple of things I can't talk about. But for the most part, it's, I'm pretty open to talk about any of that. Awesome. Jose, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you. And I can't wait to talk to you during the summit. I'm going to be really nervous. We've got Gary V. We've got tons of other amazing wedding photographers. So I think I'm going to be out of my depth a little bit standing here broadcasting from Australia. But it's going to be so much fun. And that's the way that we always roll. We just go and do the things, make it happen and um, have a good time. And that's really what it's all about is just like having a good time. So you can't get better than that. Absolutely. Well, thank you for putting this together. Uh, thank you for inviting me and I look forward to it. Maybe there's some questions people can send you, you know, too. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah. So send me questions um, via DM, jialong.co. And also, where can we find your workshop that you're talking about before? If you want to get some details. You know, so I've been teaching workshops for a number of years. Um, I don't have any plans currently, uh, obviously because of COVID and travel restrictions and such, but um, I will and do have plans on having uh, more workshops in 2022. So I haven't released anything, but you can always find it on my Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you.